Thanks to Cry Malt. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, who had hold some position at Australian Brews News, and I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. And I think I'm still I'm still just a contributor, so I haven't changed. I, I'm not former anything. Well, I, again, I've never known, I've never quite known how to, to phrase you because you're you're, you're <laughs> well, a crafty. Key... Call me a sidekick. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that that, that, Kirli, that was... Kirli referred to me as. No, it's not coming to me now. I'll, I'll, I'll slot it in later. Um, but along the, along the lines of sidekick, that's yeah, fine. That, 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 that was very unfair because you've always been a... Uh, More a second integral... banana than a sidekick. Yeah. No, no, co, you know, co-pilot. Um, but, you know, <laughs> not, not the one who flies a plane into a mountain. <laughs> yeah, co-pilot, yeah. yeah you've, oh, you've I'm your wingman never... now, am I? <laughs> you, you, you are my wingman. My indispensable wingman. But anyway, enough yeah, about us. We've had a few, yeah, a few, a few rocky landings, but yeah, we, yeah. we we always get back in the plane eventually, <laughs> well, and recently we, a lot more regularly, and, and very regularly. And uh, yeah, and we'll sort of talk about some of the feedback that we've got at the end of the uh, at the end of the show. But uh, mate, what, what's been happening for you? I have been enjoying some lovely beers. It was lovely to have the uh, the beer fairy uh, drop off um, the beers of the earth from Stone and Wood and the uh, children, the bastard children of the empire from um, from Four Pines, um, which I just think I'm writing an article at the moment, not not necessarily about the, how, how the beers taste because I taste them, so who cares what I think and it might taste different to you anyway. Just in terms of, of the concepts, I, I just I just think this is a, a great way forward. Yeah, so no, actually, I've had the, the beer ferry turn up a, a, a few times. Um, I've had some beers from Yenda, which is the Australian beer company, uh, Coca-Cola Amatil um, craft beer range that you know, were, were exactly there or thereabouts, as you'd expect from a, a, a very well-resourced and serious player in the market. Um, we're going to have a chat. Brewery, we should point out that we, we have visited the brewery. We were invited up there. The Casella Brewery, yeah. yes, uh, the former Casella Brewery, and uh, where Arvo was hatched, which uh, we, we we're going to speak to um, the Australian Beer Company on uh, this week for our next podcast. So we might just have parked that uh, discussion here. But uh, what else have I tried? I've, uh, I actually had, uh, I've got an aunt and uncle that live up at Stanthorpe. I've not quite been up to um, the uh, to the, a new brewery um, up at Stanthorpe, which is uh, two hours southwest of Brisbane, but there's a brewery called the uh, Brass Monkey Brew House, and uh, I probably shouldn't, I'm always a little bit funny about breweries that sort of pop up, you know, nothing, you know, no reputation, you know, just, um, you know. Appear. Yeah, that appear, that have somebody who's a passionate home brewer, um, you know, sort of turn up, and I I recently saw a US brewer say, you know, just because you make a crackingly good milk stout in your garage doesn't mean you're qualified to run a brewery. And there's a little bit of that mindset. Um, But it's the Brass Monkey Brewhouse at Stanthorpe. It's Severn Lee. Um, And, uh, yeah, I I tried the beers, and I was, I guess because I had no idea of what to expect, I was wowed. Um, But the, you know, like, they they were just really good beers. Nothing spectacular. It was a a Pilsner, a Brown Ale, and a a Golden Ale. They were just really good, um, enjoyable beers. No faults. They really did what they did. So, yeah, it's a brewery that's uh, going to get me up to visit my relatives um, to to go and see. So that was, uh, yeah, an interesting mailbag. So if you are heading uh, through Queensland at any stage, uh, make sure you add it to – Stanthorpe is wine country, so – um, which segues nicely into our interview with uh, yes. Vale Brewing. Um, but, yeah, so Brass Monkey, check it out. So that, that was good. I'm trying to think there has been other beers turn up. Um, we do have a, a fairly long show, so I won't uh, linger too long. But, 
Yeah. So no, nothing else happening. We are going to talk to Steve Jeffers uh, in, in later in the show. Um, actually, we're going to speak to Steve Jeffers next about uh, GABS, which is coming up, and that's something that you and I are both involved in. So, well, you're hosting Craft Beer College, which uh, you, you've done for the past few years. Is it the Coopers Craft Beer College? Uh, no, Coopers is uh, this year uh, helping out GABS with the glassware, and the local tap house is actually sponsoring Craft Beer College this year. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and it's also not splitting, but uh, we're adding... So Crappy College will remain in, in its usual format and that will host the Q&As, the Meet the Brewers sort of sessions um, and any sort of like specialty, you know, beer related topics. And then Craft Beer Adventures hosted by a good friend of the program, uh, the Beer Diva, Kiralee Waldhorn, which is on the upper level in the uh, um, opposite corner to Craft Beer College with a nice little... Uh, 10 tap bar in between which will make a, a really great little area up there she'll be doing the um the adventures in beer so you know we're cooking with beer or or speaking to to uh you know beer chefs and that sort of thing um tastings blindfoldings as we've done before those those kinds of more sensory kind of uh beer adventures excellent well we'll be uh purloining some of her guests uh, we're going to be recording a series of uh, podcasts from there as well as from the craft brewers conference that's earlier in good beer week but we're also going to be uh, joining forces and uh, finally bringing uh, the Bruin transfer our little uh, you know pet project where we uh, analyze the world of beer advertising yes which is uh, long overdue we, we did try to get it up off the ground last year didn't quite work out um, but and, and Steve Jeffers very kindly offered us a, a slot, uh, one of the seminar uh, slots, and so that'll be at this stage. It's the uh, it'll be the last show of um, the last of the Saturday afternoon session. Save the date, pencil it in now. Save the date. Uh, it's free, part of your ticket. Um, it just means you have to leave the the main floor to come up and join us. But you will be well looked after in terms of uh, getting to try some beers while you listen to Pete and I and a panel of industry experts. Uh, that's advertising industry experts talk about uh, beer advertising through the years. But, but we might have a bit of a chat to Steve about Gabs, including um, it was recently named as one of the by Beer Connoisseur magazine um, as one of the great beer events of the world. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? So I guess it's uh, it's a nice thing given we've put so much effort into it, not just Di and I, but a whole bunch of people for the last three and a half years or so, and um, we've taken fairly big risks to try and make it happen and uh, so it's, it's just a nice little accolade obviously beer connoisseur magazine is one of the great beer magazines so we take that uh, a little more seriously than some of the other things that we read about us um, but uh, listen, it's just a nice little thing every now and again because uh, as you know after the first gabs it was a really big challenge for us and we were kind of weird l plates on but um, we really feel that, uh, that the event's in a pretty special place now and we're looking forward to you know this year's event to Hopefully we can maintain or even raise the standard further. Well, we won't take uh, any time to sort of correct some of the errors that they had um, <laughs> in, in, in their story, but uh, you, you certainly do deserve to be uh, congratulated. You know, we, we, over the, uh, the, the the early stages, we had some disagreements, and I think even last year we uh, disagreed with uh, things such as Warney. Um, I look forward to your recommendation of who, who should ring the bell this year. <laughs> you can have a think about that one. I'll, I'll have a think about it, but uh, right, actually, just to yeah, just to digress on that because one of the things we did talk about was uh, you know sort of I had a view about Warney's suitability uh, you know as in terms of an ambassador for beer, um, and there were obviously commercial uh, in, in, you know uh, involvement in him uh, ringing the bell. But did you have any thoughts about his carry on after the World Cup? 
Yeah, I was watching it live, and uh, it did make me feel a little bit awkward. I don't know if I, I don't know if I said anything at the time, but certainly I came in the next day, and we were all talking about it in here about how we felt it wasn't. Uh, it just felt a little grubby. I think is um, not uh, grubby is probably overstating it, but you know what I mean. It just didn't feel like it was warranted, um, and I think it was an echo of times past. And um, yeah, I, it was something that didn't feel make me feel too comfortable about the whole thing, especially when we're trying to. Well, you know, people like you and I, and a lot of people in the craft beer industry are trying to um, you know, change perceptions. So that was uh, that was kind of one step forward, two steps back. And that's actually a topic that uh, we've got parked as something we really want to follow up on and, you know, the perceptions of craft beer. But we might save that for another podcast. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect at uh, Gab's 2015. Uh, well, hopefully something better than uh, last year. Like, we were really happy with the way uh, last year went and the feedback we got from people who attended was really very positive. Um, but it's not our style just to sit back and, I guess, rest on our laurels. We, we're always trying to improve whatever we do. So we've tried to, tried to raise the bar again this year. So we've introduced more elements to the event. We've, we've really tried to take on board as much of the, the feedback from the survey that we did after last year's event. And, um, and obviously we're going to Sydney, which is uh, a whole new different uh, ball game for us. Obviously we've got the tap house there. So it was, and the craft beer scene in the last 18, 24 months has really accelerated in growth so it was the obvious next step for gabs and and uh so we're just doing a one-day event to dip our toe in the water and see how it goes and and hopefully uh it uh, people will respond but ticket sales in sydney are really uh, beating what we expected at this stage because we haven't really started our advertising campaign properly yet uh, that starts three weeks before the event um, and we've already sold i think 25 percent of the, our target tickets uh, without uh, spending anything so uh, that's really encouraging. So hopefully lots of people will turn up and um, they'll enjoy it. And then next year we'll look at potentially a two-day event and, and see how we go from there. Excellent. And, and what can people who come along, uh, we, we might concentrate primarily on the uh, Melbourne uh, uh, gaps because uh, a, a shortened version of that will be travelling to Sydney. What will uh, punters who or beer drinkers who came along last year notice as being different this year? Um, well, the uh, Dan Murphy's Marketplace stand, um, was, was uh, a great success last year. The new layout uh, worked very well, and we're going to continue with that layout. There's been a lot of interest from brewers and, and some cider makers to get involved, so we have uh, done our best to accommodate uh, more stands. And so in, we're trying to replicate the Melbourne laneway feel a little bit. Uh, so there is going to be uh, where there was a, in the middle of the aisle that we had last year is going to be some more stands so the idea is that you can kind of so there's a sense of discovery as you wander around so i think this year we've got about 54 stands in melbourne which is up from about 37 or 38 i think uh, last year so it's uh, an appreciable increase and it's going to so people that are going to really enjoy that i think uh, a lot more of the stands are, are going to continue to make great efforts at increasing or improving the the customer experience so that's something that uh, we're looking uh people will notice so we've also upstairs we're trying to activate the upstairs area more than we've ever done before so triple m are coming on board as have come on board as a as a partner and they're going to sponsor a um a bar that's up on the balcony overlooking the whole venue and that's going to feature 10 beer styles that uh, ranked highest in the tap house uh, hottest 100 results and uh, we've also got another new partner called steel which is a, a high-end um, appliance um, company barbecues and that sort of terrific stuff and uh, and Kiralee Walthorn is going to host um, a uh, steel adventures in craft which is more consumer focused more food focused 
more experiential than uh, what was previously in the craft beer college. So we've kind of ramped that up and separated it. And, of course, uh, Prof will be back at the local Taphouse Craft Beer College uh, as uh, he kind of, uh, you know, convenes over panel discussions with brewers um, as well as kind of master classes and one-on-ones with uh, some of the great people who attend uh, the event. And as we said in, as Prof and I said in the intro, uh, we'll also be uh, hosting a uh, version of Brew and Transfer uh, for one of the episodes that we're very excited yeah, about. Yeah, that's well, I've been, I've been um, you know, at you guys for a long time to try and do it. We tried to make it happen last year, so we're thrilled that that's going to come back, um, I think, on the Saturday afternoon, I think it is. It's, uh, that's it, that's the, the last session, the, the last uh, segment three. of the Saturday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, so we'll uh, be putting links to that in the show notes. Yeah, that's really um, good, yep. Yeah, no, we're very excited about that, but uh, we're far bit from us to blow our own trumpets. But tell us a little bit about some of the beers that are going to be happening down at the, uh, you know, one of the highlights every year is the one-off beers uh, that, you know, you encourage brewers to make. And it was the thing that the uh, Gabs was was built around, making uh, brewers contributing a one-off, never-released beer. Um Does anything stick out uh, for you this year? And, uh, you know, you've also been... Uh, uh, amazed at how many of the one-off beers have gone on to be uh, you know, commercially available uh, permanent parts of breweries' ranges. Yeah, it's one of the uh, stories we love to hear and we love to talk about uh, over the, the last few years of how many beers that were perhaps or probably intended to be one-off batches and uh, they just resonated with the public so much at Gabs is that the brewers or the breweries decided to brew them again and in some cases uh, on a continuing basis. So recently um, we were just trying to figure out how many beers have gone on to be brewed again and bottled and so forth. And um, I think we, uh, we asked our f- the fans on Facebook to come back and help us. And I think we got to a list of 45 beers that have been uh, uh, brewed uh, in the past, uh, oh, sorry, on an ongoing basis. And there's some, obviously some great uh, success stories, such as the Gunnamatta IPA, which is Yeastie Boys' um, most popular beer. Um, and uh, they won the People's Choice in the original Gabs. Uh, the Praline was a great story from La Seren last year. They won People's Choice. Uh, the Taco didn't win People's Choice uh, a couple of years ago, but uh, that beer, I believe, is the biggest selling beer at the brewery and uh, is, a, is a real fan favourite. Uh, so there's lots of those sort of stories. And I, I think that uh, brewers are, ever, are increasingly embracing Gabs as an opportunity to, uh, A, have a bit of fun, they don't have to brew weird and wacky beers, but uh, they certainly understand that all the people who come to Gabs are, are very are very open and receptive to new beer experiences and uh, and new beer flavours, and you're not going to find a, a greater concentration of people like that uh, outside of Gabs. And so people are really stepping it up, and I'm really quite looking forward to seeing how some of the new breweries who are coming to Gabs, um, what they come up with. Um, so there's breweries like uh, Shenanigans, which is in New South Wales, Modus Operandi, which is obviously one of the hot properties around uh, from Northern Beaches. There's a brewery in South Australia we were tipped off about called Robe Town, and uh, they're making a beer using very traditional ingredients uh, and very traditional techniques. In fact, they've got a wood-fired uh, mash tun, I believe. Um, Pirate Life in South Australia from the uh, what's well, the ex Brew Dog staff and uh, obviously Acacia. So there's a bunch of other ones as well. So I'm always keen to see what the new guys come up with. But um, they all kind of um, there's a there's a healthy uh, competition that goes on uh, behind the scenes, and uh, I think the the winner is really just the, the punter because there's going to be 100 and at this stage 118 um, new beers that people have never tried before. So um, you know, it's it's one of the things that we spend a bit of time. One of the great bits of feedback that we've got is from people who who don't really who find it a bit overwhelming. And this is something that happens in 
beer venues around the country now is that increasingly as there's more of them offering rotating taps. And I know we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think that... Uh, I say, thank you for that segue. <laughs> you, you, you're doing my work for me. <laughs> but I think one of the, the, the things that uh, we need to, as an industry, get better at is educating people about uh, about beer in, in really simple to understand uh, language. And, and we've been developing with GABS um, what we call the GABS tasting tools, which uh, I... I are meant to guide people through their tasting experience in a really uh, intuitive, simple way. And uh, so we've, we've kind of, over the last couple of years, explored that a little bit. But this year, we've uh, invested quite a bit of time in the technology and money into the technology to develop this to help people um, kind of choose beers that uh, meet their expectation and, I guess, their palate as well. I'm uh, really excited in uh, seeing how that goes. And I think, again, that's another discussion uh, that we might have at a later date, looking at um, how Wellcraft is doing at educating and uh, informing, uh, you know, properly is not the right word, but, you know, um, whether it's lived up to the expectations or the hopes that were, were had, you know, perhaps when the Tap House uh, was starting and uh, the things that guided your approach to, to the Tap House. But you did raise um, this, this, this concept of um, rotator bars, and uh, it was one of the things I wanted to chat to you about was the article... Um, that James Atkinson, uh, our new editor, uh, posted uh, in which Brooklyn Brewery's CEO, Eric Ottaway, um, said that, you know, maybe uh, the, the tap rotation craze is wearing a little bit thin. And it, it, that's an article that has created much, genera uh, much um, discussion on site and in the comments. But when you look at what he says, uh, Ottaway said there will always be demand from serious beer aficionados for rotator bars, but the general public is less enthusiastic. Um, I guess you've got a you know, three-day festival that is GABS that is really built around providing a, you know, a huge experience of one-off and you know, unique beers. Do, you know, is there a place for bars that are offering that every day or you know, should the public uh, come to expect that they will have a, a fairly stable selection from time to time? Well, if I, I agree mostly with what uh, Eric said in the article. I think... Um uh, one of the things about GABS is I would argue that the vast majority of people who attend the event, it's not just the festival beers that they've never tried before. I would argue that they haven't tried the vast majority of beers which are readily available in good beer stores um, that are available to, to drink at the stand. So I think what GABS is, is, is about and what we've always tried uh, to... We've always tried to remember when we come up with these new ideas is that we're about just pushing people's personal boundaries. So it's about trying something uh, new. It doesn't necessarily mean, and, and, that, and all of us, I suspect, have beers that uh, we go back to time and time again. Um, but it's about exploring and uh, the adventure of diversity and diversity of, of craft beer. Now, it's the same with rotator bars, as I think there's absolutely a, a place for those. Um, but even within those, I think it's, uh, it's interesting, as he says as well, that uh, you might have a couple of, at the very least, uh, common, commonly or approachable commonly available or approachable styles of beer. It doesn't have to necessarily be the same beer, but, uh, for instance, a, a pale ale, to use a, uh, an obvious example, is I think it's really always important that you have a pale ale and, and perhaps other, a few other approachable beer styles, and then, uh, then you might range uh, over the other remaining taps a variety of different styles as well. So, but I, did, well, I, I disagree with Eric when he talked about how... Um, or, uh, that uh, when they put in... Um, the uh, Brooklyn Lager, I think, into, into venues that it becomes the biggest seller. And, and I would argue that uh, in some ways, and certainly in, in, in our bars, is, 
is that if we always just went with what was the biggest seller, we wouldn't um, uh, we wouldn't be satisfying what we want. It's a bit like I think Steve Jobs says: don't uh, people don't know what they really want. You have to kind of give them what they uh, and they will learn to love that. And uh, I think that um, if we put on I don't know if we put on Carlton Draft now, for instance, on tap in both tap houses, it would not surprise me if in four weeks' time it was the biggest selling beer. So I don't think it's necessarily um, the uh, the and that's that's by virtue of the fact that a lot of people that come to the tap house are not serious beer fans. They come here because it's a nice place to be. Um, so the fact just because a beer is going to be your biggest seller, I don't necessarily think that's a reason for a venue to necessarily put it on. I think what is important is that they uh, put approachable, recognisable styles on. Um, uh, that's what I think is important. Well, that brings in a nice uh, uh, lead to a comment that Luke Nicholas um, posted on his blog and we uh, reproduced on Australian Brewers News a couple of weeks ago where he made similar comments, but he, his was more looking at the quality of beer and said that bars have a, have a duty to curate their lists and that there's a lot of fairly ordinary uh, craft beer going on in some venues in the name of you know variety and selection. Yeah, I think that's a problem as well, but I think... I think quality is, is, is a problem in, in the craft beer industry, not just here, but overseas. Is that, And that's why I think it's good. You know, I have a, a, a bit of a, a, a mixed or a love-hate relationship with uh, imported beers because I, I, think that, uh, I think it's helpful if the beers can be brought over in good condition, uh, then I think it's, it's great to get the very best beers in the world here if we can bring them in good condition. But I think that uh, what, what I'm starting to see now is breweries coming in particularly from america or beers coming in from breweries in america that um are in you know there's there's dozens of beers in australia which uh, which are better than some of these beers and so i think uh to, to answer to your point there is i think that uh, venues um are putting on any beer that comes in from wherever just for, in the sake of just having something to rotate on and uh you know we we curate our list. If we occasionally ask, uh, we occasionally ask for samples to be sent to us. Uh, we don't always have to, by any means, have the, the the beer on first amongst others. I think that there's a tiny niche of people that that matters to. But what's more important for us is that we get to sample the beer or taste it somewhere else or hear what other people talk about it. There are obviously some breweries that uh, will just take um, beers, um, whatever they do, because they've, their reputation precedes them. But I, I do think that. Um, the idea of just rotating for the sake of it is is uh, can be a bit, you know, can be a bit uh, overdone at times. Terrific. We might leave it there uh, for this chat, but we've certainly raised a few topics that we'll come back to uh, in coming months, Steve. Uh, now, just the, the most important question: anyone that wants to come along to Gabs, where can they buy tickets? Uh, tickets are available at gabsfestival.com.au, uh, and uh, there's a ticket page there. One of the things that we're very excited about this year is the new Beer Buddy group tickets, which we've uh, introduced, which are selling like hotcakes, which is basically if you bring a group of five to nine people or, or 10 plus people, you get a 10% and 15% respectively discount. Uh, and it's a way that we've uh, we responded to people uh, in their feedback who said, listen, we'd love to bring more people, but price is an issue. And so despite Gab's getting um, bigger and hopefully better, um, it's never been better value. And that's something that, uh, so Beer Buddies are a great option, so, but you can find all that information out at gabsfestival.com.au. And we'll obviously yeah, put a link to that in the show notes. Steve, Jeff, is always great to chat. We'll see you at uh, Gabs, uh, where Pete and I will be uh, doing uh, our uh, brew and transfer. And also uh, I'll be 
there with Radio Brews News uh, capturing a lot of the brewers and the excitement of the event. So, Steve, thanks for joining us on Radio Brews News and look forward to seeing you and having a beer very soon. Thanks, Matt, and thanks for your ongoing support. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Right, there you go. That was Steve Jeffers. Um, always good to chat to Steve. He's one of the... Um, well, if, there, uh, if there's a more passionate uh, and hard-working person who spends more than every waking hour of every day thinking about beer and, and, um, and how to promote it and um, coming, coming up with new ideas on how to engage the beer drinker, I, I haven't met him yet. But also a man who, you know knows how to run it as a business which is one of those things that craft beer is still grappling with you know that sort of grubby you know capitalism as- aspect of the you know the, the, the passionate craft brewer has always been it's always been about the beer but of course if it's not about the business as well it doesn't last very long exactly and as steve has been you know like a real champion for craft beer no, but nothing also- wrong with yeah doing it doing it really really well um but uh, and making according money off it which is probably a, a nice segue um, into our next interview, which is uh, we're speaking to uh, Tim Collin uh, and Jeff Wright from Vale Brewing, um, formerly uh, McLaren Vale Brewing uh, Beer Company, um, who yeah, is one of those breweries that's always been around. And uh, as I say during the interview, you know, gets a lot of respect for its beer, sometimes grudgingly, because people haven't quite known what to make of the business of the brewery. And uh, so we have a chat to... Firstly, Tim, uh, who's one of the three brothers that's bought it out, um, to, to find out a little bit about you know the the history of uh, Vale Brewing and also you know their plans going forward, and then we speak to Jeff Wright about the, the beers and where the beers are going. And uh, I start that interview by asking, who is Tim Collin? My background is uh, sort of business, business and finance uh, base. Um, I uh, spent quite a few years at university, did uh, a little bit of architecture, um, but then ended up doing a, uh, swapping over and doing uh, finance and economics. Um, from there, I did a, um, a graduate diploma of applied finance, uh, and that's sort of been my background. Uh, in terms of uh, business, I've also got a very keen interest in, in non-profits, so I've been on the board of uh, Hockey South Australia. Um, I was on the board and was president for a while of uh, uh, Adelaide University Sport, and so that was a kind of the area that I cut my teeth in, in sort of being on boards and, and having a keen interest in, in sort of running businesses. How did you come to own, you know, live every uh, you know, person's dream of owning a brewery? Um, yeah, that was an interesting one. I mean, uh, we were interested uh, as a group of brothers in, in looking at business opportunities uh, and this one came across our desk uh, one day and I think uh, 
it's probably the easiest sell that I ever had to make to my brothers uh, to to get involved in a beer company. I, th I think as you, as you sort of alluded to, it's uh, every young guy's uh, kind of dream to um, have a brewery and be involved in a brewing company. So we started off as as uh, silent partners. Uh, we pulled pulled some money together um, just to sort of dip our toe in the water, um, and. Uh, Kind of rolled on from there and um, had an opportunity to increase our stake uh, as we went along and uh, and kept backing the business through its growth uh, sort of early stage uh, growth phase um, and uh, yeah so that was that was the the early stage scenario which um, which is all very exciting. And uh, I guess Adam Tripp Smith uh, was involved early on. Um, mm -hmm. Who's now gone on to phone uh, to to found uh, Kegstar, yep. um, which is I, I should sort of ring the bell and say that they're a sponsor of the uh, the, the the show yep. uh, or they're a sponsor of the the, the site, um, as I think McLaren has been in the past. But um, so Adam brought the the idea to you uh, at, at some stage. I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, Adam uh, left you. There was obviously a buying out of, of his share, and uh, you were in partnership with um, uh, your two brothers. Um, Pete and Michael, and also Greg McKay and Mark Rogers, I, I believe. Yep. And uh, then in March this year, you announced that the three brothers had bought the controlling interest, uh, and now you own the brewery yourselves. Yeah, it's uh, it's slightly intimidating, but it's been uh, an exciting scenario. Um, I think uh, in the whole scheme of things, I think one thing that's uh, it's important to keep in mind in terms of shareholder groups is. Uh, people's timeline and I think for us uh, we're relatively young in the whole scheme of things and we've got a long-term time horizon in terms of uh, our involvement in this business and uh, involvement in the industry and uh, if that doesn't necessarily match with your uh, your other shareholders and your partners then then sometimes those those interests aren't aligned and uh, that's that was the scenario uh, in this case um, so we're really excited to be able to uh, sort of match our interests as brothers. Our timelines uh, are aligned in, on that front as well. Uh, we, we can sort of bed down the long-term uh, strategy and the long-term planning for the future. Did you have any background or interest in beer before you came to, you know, have found your own brewery? Um, not specifically. I mean, uh, growing up in South Australia, uh, uh, we've obviously had Coopers uh, around, and that's uh, sort of very much been a staple. Um, and I'm not sure whether it's classified as as craft, but uh, I think it's, it's always been great beer. And uh, so we uh, enjoyed Coopers growing up. And then uh, when Little Creatures started uh, sort of coming on the scene, um, we really enjoyed their products as well. So that's that's the. Um, we sort of come into it as, as beer appreciators uh, rather than particularly technically on the brewing side, um, but always been really enthusiastic about um, the beer industry in general. Um, but no, no specific sort of brewing uh, experience. That's something that's been uh, developed, I guess, uh, through the last seven years uh, and, and my involvement in the business. I guess I even uh, misspoke a little bit uh, then when I said when you opened the brewery because initially uh, you opened as a purely contract operation um, 
before building your Wollonga brewery uh, after a couple of years, um, and you've you've been working a, a hybrid model since then. So, you know, as you've gone, you've uh, sort of been um, you know developing and, and growing the business, and you know putting money into stainless steel. How's how has that been funded along the way? Because it, it's it's been a brand that started. Um, very strongly, um, and then you've also sort of ex- expanded as you've gone. Have you brought in ad- additional investors along the way? Um, we have, but we've also, uh, I guess, been been backing it ourselves. Um, we've used uh, sort of a debt scenario where we can, um, but for for early stage businesses like this, uh, that's been difficult. Um, so I guess uh, to a large extent, it's been been about uh, sort of putting putting our our backing into the business and and hoping that uh, uh, it continues to develop in the way that we um, that we hope it will. What is now Vale um, Brewing Company and formerly McLaren Vale Beer Company has always occupied an interesting um, place in 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 the the growing uh, I don't like the term craft beer as much but you know the, the uh, emerging beer landscape where it's always been highly respected for its beers you've uh, you know won a lot of awards and uh, critical um, you know, both critical and you know consumer um, awards they seem to have sold very well but there's always been an air of mystery uh, around the brand that has always seen it I don't know it, it, it's Perhaps not given the respect that other breweries have have received from, uh, you know, the, the the craft beer crowd. Is that a fair comment? Um, I guess so. I mean, uh, we've always been very proud of the the product that we've put out. I think one of the probably key differences uh, that I see is that uh, we weren't necessarily brewer founded, um, which I think has been a, a key trait of a lot of the other. Um, uh, craft breweries out there, um, which I think uh, has a sort of implied scenario that the brewer uh, is very much in control of the um, the business and the products that go out. Um, I think for us, because that hasn't been the case, there's been some questions around what the uh, what the clear well clear intentions are for the business and and whether it's focused around. Uh, specifically the quality of the product uh, and for us it, it's never been a question whether whether we're brewer owners or um, uh, or not it's always been about, about the quality of the product and I think that uh, getting someone like Jeff on board uh, and and giving him our full backing and full support to uh, to develop and and to um, to run the quality control of, over the product, I think has uh, has ended up with a great quality product. But I think people may have had misgivings because it's not a, a brewery owned, uh, a brewer owned scenario. But I'm just uh, I'm just uh, guessing at that, uh, that stage. And, and, and you mentioned uh, Jeff, who's of course Jeff Wright, your head brewer, who we'll mm-hmm. be speaking to uh, very shortly. It, 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 it's a funny world that um, this this craft beer world, where you talked about you weren't brewer owned and you focused on the quality of the beer, and people seem to have respected sometimes grudgingly the quality of the beer. But because you weren't brewer owned, there seems to have been it seems to have been set aside a little bit. Um, is, is that 
something that's you know uh, a, a flaw in people's perceptions of craft, or is that just part of the you know emerging craft beer scene where we're still working out exactly what these new beers and breweries are? Um, I'm not sure. I think the key thing uh, for me, and I think this is something that we've we're developing now that we're um, 100% owners of the business, is that uh, that. W- the backers of the business are very passionate about beer, so me and my brothers are very passionate about beer. Um, we uh, obviously look for the best quality people that we can have um, uh, within the business, and I think that uh, also putting a face to the name and a face to the brand, whether it's, it's Jeff as head brewer or us as owners, mean that we're putting our credibility on the line uh, for for the business and for the brand. And I think that sometimes if you have scenarios where there's seemingly faceless sort of uh, partners or faceless men in the background sort of calling the shots, then people are uh, potentially a bit sceptical about the motives. But I think now that we're sort of happy to put our face to the name um, and, and, and really sort of back the business, I think that that changes a little bit. And I think... In terms of the brewer-owned um, uh, craft breweries out there, I think they've uh, always put themselves forward as the as the backers and the drivers of the business from from early stages, which we haven't necessarily done in our case. And so, so that's that's a slight difference in terms of the way that we've uh, developed as a business. I guess running hand in hand with that um, has been, I mean, I'm not sure how many times people have sworn black and blue that you guys were being taken over by CUB or Coles or Woolworths. And I I don't think six months has gone by where somebody hasn't phoned me to uh, see whether I knew anything about it. Um, Have you ever come close? I guess the first question is, have you ever been approached by any any other businesses to to, to sell the the, the band and the, the, the brand and the brewery? I mean, there's been some talk and some interest out there. Um, it hasn't hasn't been our driver. Um, for for me, Pete and Mike, uh, our interest was always to be long-term uh, shareholders and backers of this business. Um, and so, from our point of view, it was, it was never really on the cards. And we, uh, for the last what, five, five or so years have been majority owners of the business and so uh, anything on that front is, uh, has needed our approval to get over the line and it hasn't really been uh, anything that's interest, of, of interest to us. Uh, we've, we've got a vision for this, this business going forward and um, I think staying independent is, uh, is very important to that. So that's something that we're, uh, we're keen, to, keen to stick with. With all of the growth in craft beer, I mean, it's one of those things that is in all of the papers these days. People are talking about it. We've seen some uh, you know, very significant dollars raised in crown funding for to, to fund breweries um, here and overseas. Is there a lot of you know interest in buying breweries, and uh, you know, are, are people making lucrative offers when they when they come knocking? I don't know whether it's uh, lucrative offers, but um, <laughs> I think I think the big guys are always going to be interested in guys that always that are that are growing their market share, and I think it's uh, sometimes as much as a defensive strategy uh, for them. I mean, we we saw the the purchase of Little Creatures uh, 
saw very much the interest uh, quite a few years ago in, in buying Coopers. And so I think there's, um, there's definitely interest on that front. Um, but there's a lot of benefits, uh, I think, that we can deliver uh, out of being independent and in terms of uh, sticking, sticking to our uh, sort of key priorities in terms of what we do. Um, so yeah, I think I think there is interest out there. There's there's more and more uh, small breweries breweries coming onto the scene um, at the moment. But I think the the big guys have recognised the the shift, and if they can get it uh, get some of that market share back by creating their own stuff in house, and they'll do that. Um, but I think there's definitely an interest for uh, for buying up uh, companies that have. Uh, reasonable and growing market share as well. Private equity has been a big thing uh, in the States and even in uh, parts of the United Kingdom. Um, uh, do you think we'll see or have we seen private equity start to sniff around around breweries? Um, we chatted to Richard Adamson um, not too long ago and he talked about an investment that uh, had been made in Young Henry's. Um, do, do you think we'll see more private equity uh, in investors you know, come in and seek to capitalise on the interest in craft beer? I think there's a potential. Uh, I haven't seen it or come across it uh, personally, um, but there's nothing to say that uh, if, it, if it's an area of interest uh, for, for private equity that um, I'm sure they'll get involved uh, at, at any level that they can, but it's not something that I've uh, come across uh, up until now. Tim, the name change from McLaren Vale Beer Company to Vale Brewing, apart yep. from obviously being much easier to fit on the labels and packaging and that sort of thing, is yep. that a, a, a conscious decision, I guess, to, to not to move, not to you know, I guess, discard your roots, but to to move away, I guess, from the McLaren Vale region as a wine producing region to, I guess, stand on your own a little bit more. That wasn't the key driver for us. Uh, I guess the key driver for us in terms of the name change was primarily about creating uh, sort of a, a clearer link between uh, between our products and our company name. Introducing myself as Tim from McLaren Val Beer Company sometimes gets some raised eyebrows and question marks about what that is. But then when people, uh, when you add the Vale Ale or um, Val IPA into the scenario, people understand it very quickly. So it just creates that connection um, between the, the company name and the products, which wasn't there before. In terms of our commitment to uh, McLaren Val region, I think uh, we're, we're ideally always going to have that connection. Um, our parents uh, live a kilometre away from where the breweries are set up, so we, we have a um, a strong connection down here and I think that uh, the primary scenario was around creating a connection between those brands um, and and uh, and not necessarily or just so we could stand on our own two feet I guess and I think it'll certainly help you in terms of um, you know as, as as the many thousands of Australians you know turn 18 get their drinking license each year and and, and start making their way to to Uncle Dan's or wherever it may be uh, in the past, all the Vale products have been sort of, you know, stacked all together or, or all lumped into a, an aisle that sort of says roughly craft, whereas I know a lot of the uh, the bigger ones now are, are sort of breaking their ranges up into here are the pale ales, here are the dark beers, here are the lagers, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think the strong um, 
branding and marketing that comes from the particular from your, your I'm going to say barrel motif, but um, it's probably really kegs, isn't it? Which is probably why there was some confusion early on where people sort of, oh, it's obviously tying in with the the wine region because their their logo is a, you know a triangle of barrels. I, th- I think there were a, um, a whole lot of influences that came into the, the logo design and I think uh, the thing that I really like, I, I think for us it's kind of taking on a meaning of its own and, and being uh, representative of our, of our beer brand and so it, it's kind of losing the direct uh, associations to what the inspiration was behind the, um, the initial design. but. Uh, I think it's worked really well for us. I think the the, the clear, uh, sort of clean look and the very recognisable um, brand name has, has been uh, a positive scenario for us and, and uh, a brand that's been easily identifiable um, for the drinking public. Mate, moving on to a little bit about the, the beer, that was a nice segue um, to start talking about the beer. You, you, you built the uh, Wollonga Brewery a few years ago and you were still using a hybrid uh, model, producing some of your beer at your own brewery and then getting some of the uh, uh, overflow uh, contract brewed. You've, you're no longer brewing at Gage Roads is my understanding? No, so we're uh, brewing our bottle product uh, out of Brewpack in Sydney. Um, Another sponsor of the program, yep. and, and I, I have to uh, sort of interject there and ring the uh, ding, you know, sponsors' ding. bell and say <laughs> I actually had no idea of that. I, I thought you were going to say independent distillers, but no. Uh, so we're at Brewpack, so uh, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's where the um, the journey began for us uh, in terms of contract brewing, and so we've uh, come full circle and come back to where we started. Uh, but um, in terms of the shift. Uh, a big priority for us was uh, was uh, freshness of product, and uh, I guess the way that we looked at it, and the, the consideration for us at the end of the day was uh, sort of balancing the the volume production uh, that can get you the 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 price reduction, so doing doing bigger brews um, versus smaller brews, and getting getting your product. Uh, as quickly as possible to market. To, from our point of view, fresh is best. Uh, so for us, we're willing to uh, sort of spend a bit more money to um, to do smaller brews. Uh, as less economies of scale in that, but uh, the fact is, at the end of the day, the the product on the shelf is uh, as fresh as as we can get it. Was there an issue with not not only brewing in the volumes that you had to brew in at Gage Roads? Was there also an issue in terms of uh, shipping it across uh, the you know where we've got a big uh, wide land? Um, did did that create any additional costs or issues for you? I mean, it uh, it did cause uh, a few issues. I mean, it's a, it's a long way uh, to to get your beer across. In terms of cost, um, it it wasn't too much of an issue. Um, I think uh, Gage Road were appreciative of our business and, and uh, were very supportive on that front. Um, but in terms of uh, logistics and transport, it, it, it is uh, a little bit of an issue for us. Um, and so Sydney, I, I guess, is closer to a bigger portion of our market. But I think, I think long term, our priority is to, to get everything in-house. It just, uh, I think it creates uh, or finishes the um, 
the sort of long-term plan that we've had. Um, but uh, contract brewing's been a, a beneficial sort of stopgap in the middle to, to get to the stage we wanted to. So what comes out of uh, Sydney these days? Is it packaged and keg? No, just purely packaged. So um, uh, ale, lager and IPA are coming out of Brewpack. Um, and uh, all of our keg products coming coming out of Wollonga. So, so what are your priorities moving forward in terms of market markets? Are you looking at uh, primarily packaged, or are you looking to have have you know equal focus on um, keg and packaged? I'd say probably equal focus. We find that the enjoyment of uh, of our beer in, in package scenario transfers across to when people are out and about. Uh, having already tried it and, and more likely to um, enjoy it uh, on-premise. Uh, and I think the, the, the reverse is the, the case as well in terms of people trying, trying our product on-premise, uh, more likely to um, pick a carton or a four-pack up from the, from the bottle when they see it. So I think in terms of focus, I think it will remain uh, sort of 50-50 in terms of on-premise or packaged and, and keg beer. And focus primarily in South Australia where you're based or you've got a, a genuine national focus? Um, I think with a genuine, a genuine national uh, sort of ambition, I think we're, we're, we're national um, in a lot of the liquor uh, stores and uh, that's primarily in packaged. Um, but I think it's important to to grow your home base and then, and then to branch out from there. So I think... Uh, South Australia is always going to be our priority, but uh, I think growing growing nationally is definitely definitely our goal. Well, we might have a bit of a chat with Jeff about the the beers now. So, Tim, do you want to hang around, or do you, do you need to race off? Got no, a business no, to I run. Can, I can hang around. Uh, oh, okay, I, I, I'm not sure because we'll, we'll probably talk just uh, talk a little bit about the beer. Is, is there anything else that you want to say about uh, you know take a free kick uh, talking about uh, the things that you guys have? got planned uh, in a business sense? Um, I guess the only thing is that uh, we've spent the, um, uh, the last sort of month or so uh, sort of just getting our feet on the ground as, as, uh, as new sort of 100% owners and, and doing a lot of work on uh, kind of asking the question of where we're heading and, and where we want to go long term. Uh, so we've got some exciting stuff uh, kind of in the back burner and I think, I think that uh, we're really keen to kind of develop, develop our beers further and uh, I think there'll be something, something interesting on that front as well in terms of uh, potentially going a bit bigger in terms of our, our flavours so um, we'll have to see what comes out of that. That's as good a time as any to introduce uh, brewer Jeff Wright. Go Matt, how's it going? Good, Jeff. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had a chat. Uh, mate, how have things, we've heard a little bit about how the business has changed. Um, as the head brewer for uh, McLaren Vale or uh, Vale uh, Brewery, has anything changed for you? Uh, no, as far as the products, obviously the, um, we've got a, yeah, the new, new trading as business label uh, and label on the bottles, but um, the gear that's going inside the bottle uh, is the same. So... Uh, we've got a core range that we're quite proud of and it's going well um, and still playing with uh, experimentals and limited releases on the side as well. Um, uh, one of those you've recently announced is the uh, Brothers Brew Col Colch. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, 
the, the previous view to that was uh, we did a German Pilsner um, that we were calling the Knee Slapper. Um, and that went quite well and actually sold out a lot quicker than we thought it was. So we just wanted uh, to bring another beer in um, to sort of follow on from the Knee Slapper just as a nice uh, autumn finish before we get into too much of the cool weather. Um, and it just sort of timed in perfectly with um, uh, the three brothers taking over ownership. So as a bit of a, a nod of the head, uh, head to them, uh, we decided to call this one uh, the Brothers Colch. Is it a permanent addition to the range? Uh, no, it's, that's just a limited release, um, so just a single single batch. Um, but like any of our, our single releases that we have done in the past and go forward, if um, if we believe that it's uh, the right beer to put into a, a core range, um, we'll definitely sort of uh, consider it down that sort of line. It's an interesting style. I know it's a bit of a favourite of uh, Pete's, um, but it's a style that we have seen really sneak up and probably you know emerge as a go-to style for a lot of craft brewers. Um, I remember writing oh, six or seven years ago that um, the American style pale ale seemed to be the new lager, at least in craft beer terms. Every brewer uh, or every brewery founded their brewery on a you know, fairly hop forward pale ale. But over the last few years, we've seen a bit of a scaling back and you know, breweries such as um, Four Pines in Sydney and uh, other breweries have been bringing out cultures and golden ales. And they seem to be where the, the weight and the gravity in the uh, craft beer market um, is, is evolving. Do, do you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and the advantage about a colch, it is a, a cool fermented ale. So for yeast management in the brewery, um, you know, you still have the ability to use uh, the same strain if that's the, the way you want to go for your, your particular colch. Um, so, you know, it sort of can be referred to as a, a colch as a fake lager. So it's a cool fermented, so you keep the crisp, clean flavours in there, but um, using the ale yeast. Uh, have you got any other uh, limited releases that are being planned as yet, or it's...? Um, well, the next, next project we're working on at the moment, we're actually bringing, uh, introducing to market um, a new range of beers, so it won't be under the Vale label. Um, so it's going to be referred to as Fox Hat, so Fox Hat Brewing. Um, so we've just hit the market in Adelaide on two venues of uh, Oatmeal Stout, sitting at 6.5%. Um, so that stout out at the moment, um, the name of that is Fat Bungle. So it's just the sort of beers that um, the brew team down here at Wollonga, more of the sort of beers that you know we like, we have fun with. Um, sort of as a follow-on, we've had some pretty good following and um, feedback for some of our EXP ranges that we've done, so our experimentals. What, what, what's the thinking with? Bringing out, uh, you know, d does that create confusion in the market? Um, having to establish a whole new brand and create the brand image and takes away attention from the main uh, Vale Brewing brand? Um, we don't believe it's um, taking away from what we're doing as, as our core Vale range. Um, you know, it's, it's quite a, a common thing in uh, other, other products around the place, um, whether it's clothing ranges, wine or um, cheese. You know, you could yeah, you could have a, a premium range of higher level beers of smaller of product of smaller volumes compared to the core range. So, um, as far as the beers that the company has put through um, to start with, we had the um, you know accessible go-to beers. Um, you know, had the Vale IPA out for quite a while now. I remember quite a few people. Um, 
bagging us as such as, as that's not an IPA, it's not bitter enough, it's not big enough. And it's like, well, going by specs and flavour, yes, it is an IPA. Um, and now you sort of look at the market that there's so many, everyone's got IPA, session IPAs, there's a 3% IPA, you know, all the, all the sessionable um, IPAs sort of coming out. So we've, we started with those, um, where some of the other microbreweries started with their big Russian Imperial Stouts, American IPAs and large beers and realised that they've needed uh, the more possessionable range uh, to, to add on to their, um, their portfolios. So that's where we've sort of done the flip around. We've got the sessionable ranges uh, our base baseline um, and now this is uh, our time to have a little bit of fun and produce some of those beers. We'll be at smaller volume um, and we'll keep independent. Uh, at this stage it's keg only format but um, we're um, you know, doing a few sums at the moment to get a canning line and a few other bits and pieces at the brewery. So um, yeah, that's sort of where we're heading with that brand, and uh, it's just have a have a little bit of fun, and um, you know there's so many new uh, new beers hitting the market all the time. Um, we'll sort of jump in that role of uh, rotating taps again of um, some new products. Jeff, not wanting to um, preempt the the, uh, the do-gooders and the the naysayers, but are you prepared for the flack over the name? Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And who came up with the idea so the, they can take the blame? Oh, it's, um, it's all the in-house in uh, <laughs> group approach sort of thing. So um, there's plenty, plenty of labels on the market at the moment. We thought Fox Hat was a good one. So um, that's what we're running with. Do you think it's one of those constant uh, tensions um, in, in the beer world? And it, it, it's something that I sort of hear a lot is that we never want... Uh, beer to be seen as taking itself too seriously, um, and we have a whole lot of names with you know such as Fox Hat, which is uh, could be seen as a play on words. Um, do do we run the risk of trivialising beer, or you know, for, for a long time, craft beer was seen as being something that was changing the face of beer, and you know there was a focus on drink less, drink better, and making beer seen uh, you know as the new wine. Can we can we go too whimsical and you know trivialise beer too much uh, with, with, with some of these uh, you know, beer names and uh, range names that, that are coming out at the moment? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think there's, there's you know, in all spectres of um, consumers out there, there's different people sort of attacking the, the beer. I'm not attacking, trying beers and consuming at different levels. So um, you know, there's some. Pretty, pretty out there names at the moment that uh, some of the other breweries are using around the place, um, and it's just the the different different model and um, structure that the breweries are run by that um, how far they want to push boundaries and have uh, have fun and be be known for sort of thing. So um, I don't I don't think there's a risk of running out of names and running out of and you know, pushing it to the the nth degree of um, yeah, styles and ranges and and brands, but uh, yeah, I think uh, there's, there's still plenty of space there. It was it was more a question aimed at you know can we become too punny with beer and uh, you know sort of in in doing so and in, in making beer you know sort of the uh, you know sophomoric jokes on um, beer names and I'm, I'm sort of it, it's up to everyone to decide whether. Fox Hat is one of those, um, and I'm not suggesting that it is. But can we become, you know, when, when we sort of get our uh, little uh, funny names, do, do we risk 
you know, making beer seen as something that's a, a lesser drink and something that is, you know, only good for a giggle and not necessarily to be taken seriously? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think, um, yeah, I, I think that um, there, there's definitely spots for having the, the puns out there of some, some other people's uh, names and brands. Um, but I don't think we're um, running that risk at the moment. Yeah, Jeff, I've just been looking over the um, the festival beer list for Gabs 2015, and uh, I've actually included yours in my um, in my top ten must try beers. The uh, the Pie Cart Porter. Yeah, so this actually um, got a bit of inspiration from actually um, Bruce News article that came across uh, my my desk across the laptop that time, um, and. Like a lot of things, you get uh, quite a few emails coming through your computer and you don't always have time to read them right away. We, we should have tip uh, Paul Mercurio for, for, for yeah, that idea. Yeah, that's right, because uh, it was actually an article that Paul Mercurio had written about um, a porter, uh, sorry, a, a pea and ham soup um, that he had added some porter to. And I just misread the, the heading on it and I just read it as a pea and ham porter. I thought, oh yeah, so that's a bit interesting. So when I actually went back and read it, it's like, oh, that was, that was my mistake. It was actually about putting a porter into a pin ham soup um, that he'd come up with. So I thought, oh, well, because I misread it, I suppose I should brew it now. So <laughs> we're doing uh, a pin ham porter um, for our Gabs beer this year. So uh, using some smoked malt in there uh, to give, obviously, the, the ham and the hock character. Um, and we've put a, uh, a metric load of uh, green split peas into the mash as well. So got a little bit of a pea character coming through with a smoky, uh, smoky brown porter. So it's still sitting in the tank at the moment. We're uh, just about ready for kegging that off and getting it ready for the gabs. So it's actually tasting pretty good at the moment. Um, so looking forward to um, yeah, getting the kegs and uh, getting it across to uh, gabs for Melbourne and for Sydney. Wonderful. Hopefully uh, we, we can inspire a few more beers uh, going forward under the new arrangements. All right. Sounds good. Mate, so just, just finally, um, uh, we're seeing the culture at the moment, but is there any changes to the uh, core range? Um, the, the core range has always been the dark, the lager, the ale and the IPA. Is, is that staying constant for uh, the time? Yeah, those four are staying as core range. Um, we were just throwing around the, the potential of uh, adding another core beer um, to that range, um, which we'll keep to ourselves at the moment. Um, we've also added, uh, we've got our ciders as well, so we've got Dr Pilkington's Miracle Cider, which is a crystal clear filtered cider. Um, we've also just released, um, just before summer, so six months ago now, um, Vale Cider, um, so it's an unfiltered um, cloudy cider that we're producing down here. Um, so we're looking to bring that um, into a bottle uh, for core range as well um, under the Vale um, six dot logo. Tim Collin and Jeff Wright, thank you very much for joining us for Radio Brews News and all the best with the uh, the uh, venue going forward or the brewery going forward. Thank you very much. No problems. Thanks, guys. There you go, Prof. Whew, covered a bit there. We have covered a bit today. Um, Great interview, but people are certainly responding. We've had some great cards and letters. Um, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know where I've got cards and letters from, or because we're not. Well, that was always actually. at the end of uh, you know, at the, at the end of all those seventies um, and eighties, you know, family shows or kid shows. You know, keep those cards and letters coming. That's that's must be where I've picked it up from. But we yeah. certainly don't get any cards and letters. But we do get some uh, some emails. We get um, virtual cards and letters, and keep those virtual cards and letters coming, folks. We love emails, we love hearing text, from you. 
Twitter, yeah, all sorts of uh, things that are that are coming forward. And uh, so you had a email during the week um, from Sam, uh, who said, "G'day, Matt. Wanted to uh, say that I listened to your interview with Mark Wilcott from Beerbud and thought you handled it really well. You didn't shy away from the challenging questions, many questions that I've been pondering myself, but also didn't turn it into an overly critical grilling. The interview was very professional. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to future podcasts, which." Uh, and I, I actually, it's one of the most flattering things, uh, having professional and me used in the same sentence. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it, it, there was a really interesting chat, that one. Um, uh, you know, again, probably, you know, listen to the interview um, and see what you think. Um, last I checked, uh, they were well short. So maybe there are some doubts in the in, in the community about how it goes. Um, I, I was a little surprised uh, that... I saw a news limited article uh, about the whole beer bard crowdfunding campaign that mentioned uh, West Vletteran, um, you know, being you know possibly being available, and I'm not sure whether that came from the beer bud guys or from the, uh, the the journalists, but it certainly seemed to contradict with what uh, was said during the interview that they'll only deal with uh, you know authorised distributors and they'll do everything uh, ethically and appropriately because West Vletteran is one of those beers that everybody seems to want. But the only way that you can get the beer is to front up at the brewery yourself. And as part of the purchasing conditions, you agree not to sell or resell the beer. Don't sell it, yeah. Um, so that essentially means that there is no such thing as an authorised uh, distributor. So anyway, but that, that may not have come from them. But yeah, no, it was a really good interview. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I was a little bit sceptical and uh, you know that may have come through. But it was nice to, to get that uh, email from Sam. Yeah. Um, Email from Dermot Dowling, who's the uh, director and co-founder of Beerco, which uh, is supplying uh, craft hops and malt to uh, the Australian brewing industry. And we might speak to uh, one of Dermot's clients, who's a New Zealand maltster, um, who's making uh, traditional floor malted malts, I believe. So it might be an interesting chat yeah. about that. But uh, not Doug he Michael, said, uh, is it? What's that? Not Doug Michael, is it? Uh, from Gladfield Malt? Yeah. That could be, yeah. He's so, on my list. Uh, top bloke, list. just an absolutely yeah. top bloke. Did a um, at the Craft Brewers Conference last year, um, as part of Good Beer Week down here in Melbourne. Uh, spoke beautifully about farming and malt and and just yeah, a, a, a very very good bloke to listen to. Let's uh, line him up uh, very soon. But I uh, know it's nice of Dermot to drop us a quick note of gratitude. He said for getting back on air more regularly of late, makes doing the dishes at night more fun <laughs> and. And the ride to work. So uh, there we go. We're uh, up there with the dishwater, Prof. That's it. Um, <laughs> last two shows were real rippers. Love, love listening to the unscripted post-RBN discussion with Tim uh, from Hot Products Australia. That was a great, uh, yeah, it was a great chat. I'm glad Tim let us uh, keep that in. Uh, showed the true passion for hops from Tim and how craft beer saved an industry in rural communities and is creating jobs. Uh, also a great chat with Richard at Young Henry's, who was a talented man. Um, one this morning with Stephen Beaumont was a cracker as well. There you go. We've uh, been kicking goals with uh, Dermot. Thanks, Dermot, for, for that. We should point out, too, if there, if there are um, beer people out there who that our listeners would like to hear more about or, or, or you know, discover the story of, let us know and we, we'll, we'll tee them up. Yeah, and one and we, we were chatting amongst ourselves before we recorded, that, uh, and which segues nicely into something that we probably should have talked about at the start of the show. We're thinking of getting uh, Eric uh, Ottaway, um, who's the CEO of Brooklyn Brewery, on um, for a bit of a chat. And you know, I, I think most people associate associate Garrett Oliver um, with the Brooklyn Brewery, and he's the certainly the very flamboyant face of the brewery, very well known. And Eric's 
less well known. But uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that we do uh, here on Radio Brews News is we don't necessarily want the the you know the the rock star. The, the, the rock star, we want the people with the interesting story, and uh, Eric uh, certainly is that. So uh, we, we might have a chat because uh, Eric, uh, well, our new editor, James Atkinson, seems to have created a little bit of a um, storm in a teacup, posting an article. He's, he caught up with Eric when he was in the States recently and uh, posted a, an, an article, Tap Rotation Craze Wearing Thin, says Brooklyn Brewery boss. And, uh, you know, a lot of – he was, of course, referring to this, uh, you know um, – Craft beer bars in Australia um, and, and the US have with constantly rotating um, taps. You know, every week you've got, or every day sometimes you've got a completely different uh, tap lineup, um, which is great for punters who want to go in and try something different. And we've heard from a lot of uh, punters who have come out and sort of said, mate, this is what I want. You know, I don't want to go back to boring. I want something new every time. Um, and there was a lot of fairly unfair criticism of. Eric, um, you know, basically saying that, you know, he was biased and, of course, he, you know, the old, you would say that. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, Richard Horton, who's a, a listener from or a reader from the United Kingdom who generally, you know, um, sends very positive things, um, dropped a note to say, don't you think Mr. Ottaway is rather more than slightly biased? It's in his own interest to, it's in his own interest to, hold on, what's, I've lost part of the, uh, to discourage rotator bars. How about a more balanced view? Um, and that's you know probably the most polite of some of the notes that we uh, we got about his comment. But you know, one thing that we try and communicate through Radio Brews News and Australian Brews News is that there's a discussion that goes on that doesn't always get aired. And Eric is probably in a brewery that's big enough to say some of these things out loud. But it's. It's a comment that I think I've heard just about everyone that owns their own stainless steel in the Australian brewing industry has remarked on themselves. Is it something that you hear from from Brewers Prof? You know, geez, you know, we're getting taps, but it'd be nice to be able to get taps more regularly. Yeah, and not that it's hit and miss, but that it's it makes it difficult. Um, from the, and we you know we spoke about the business side of of, of running a brewery. It, it makes it a little bit difficult if. Um, it, it's nice to have a, at least a handful of venues that will say, mate, you know, every second week or, or whatever it might be, you know, we'll definitely, you know, we'd like to have one or more of your of your things on. And it's a, a bit of this, you know, I get a little bit annoyed, I guess. Maybe I'm, I'm getting a bit old and I, I, I like comfort. I like familiarity. I like regularity. Um, that there's this a bit of this bright, shiny, sparkly new thing um, that we've always got to be chasing the the next rather than you know being happy with uh, I guess you know yeah not the mundane but the um, you know the comforting yeah and look and, and I guess that's a personal preference thing and, and it's certainly where I've found myself I mean the number of times I've walked into bars of late and sort of thought well there's actually nothing you know to, to be honest I've tried so many ropey beers or fairly awful beers that have been hyped. Um, that are just you know one-dimensional hop bombs, or just you know have have an exciting you know special ingredient, but the beer itself isn't something I want to try again. That yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm personally finding myself wanting to go into bars and you know know that there's something there that I actually am going to get good value from spending my hard-earned on on, on drinking. But there's another dimension for me, and that is you know that that it's not surprising that it's the people that own stainless that are saying this because. You know, um, 
to tie up the, this whole conversation about the business of uh, um, brewing, it is a business um, of brewing. And when you've got salaries to pay and you know stainless steel um, to and a brewery loan to service, knowing that you're going to have beers on from week to week is a big thing for breweries. And we, we've seen a lot of people. Um, I mean, maybe it's a little bit unkind to say that anybody that's ever cracked open a Cooper's homebrew kit is suddenly, uh, you know, a gypsy brewer these days. Um, but there is a lot of people who, you know, they, they've got their day job. Um, you know, on their weekends, they're going along to one of the, the small little breweries with uh, excess capacity and knocking out a couple of zany beers that are, you know, being thrown on at, um, you know, a, a, a craft beer venue. Um the beers, well, when you look at the pricing, they're expensive, but they're still not being priced to genuinely reflect the time cost of running a business. Um, you know, so, so they're all, 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 almost the vanity is a is a benefit to them, and they're they're covering their costs, but not necessarily paying themselves a, a, a true wage or the cost of running a a real business. And then they've got their day job which creates a lot of excitement for beer drinkers. But at the same time, there is always a cost in that sort of model where, um, you know, the, the, the people that have invested in the industry and it is their full-time job um, are finding it hard to get taps in amongst all of the crazy excitement and build their brands. And, you know, if we want some of these great breweries that 10 years ago we would have been, you know, gagging with excitement about to stay, then there needs to be a little bit of balance between the, the crazy rotation and giving some of these uh, you know, breweries that have got you know a, a real investment in the long-term future of the industry a, a, a go. That's mate, was that a soapbox or was that will we file that under soapbox? No, I think we need to almost file that under a whole other episode, all unto itself. Yeah, we might we, we might have a bit of a chat with uh, you know some of the different bars who are going different models, and uh, even even some of the, uh, the 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 listeners that have passionate views either way. Um, yep. uh, we, we certainly have the capacity for brewers to phone in and uh, record their comments, so I might even investigate that. So if if you listen to this and you know I've got you hot under the collar, or you know, you find yourself nodding in agreement, um, just check the show notes for this episode, and we'll have a uh, an answering service where you can. Uh, you know, phone up and uh, leave your comment, and we'll cut it into the uh, to the next um, next episode. Done, Prof. Always good to chat. Um, everyone knows where to find us. Google uh, Pete Mitchum or Beer Blokes or Prof Pilsner, and you'll find him uh, on Beer Matt. You'll find me on just about every social media platform. Pete, always good to chat. Really excited about joining you uh, in in Melbourne, um, and then again in Sydney. And uh, yeah, next week uh, we'll be at you talking to you to you Coca Cola. Uh, Australian beer company Enyenda. Look forward to it. Let's strike up the band, shall we? Roll out the barrel. We'll have a barrel of fun. Roll out the barrel. We've got the blues on the run. Sing boom terrera. Sing out a song of the cheer. Now's the time to roll. And we're out.